episode. Facing the Fresh Mind Podcast. I'm your host, Ro Hattie. Bonus episode. That's what this one is. Bonus episode. Season 4 already came out. And then I delayed this podcast just so I could line it up a little bit closer to the book release of Elisa DeLay, my guest on this episode. I abridged it so it comes out as one episode. It's a little bit longer than normal, just around an hour. And at the end of it, we talk about her book, The Wild Lands Within. You need to take a look at this book, three authors on spirituality on the season four, and then three authors that speak to justice. But they all have something in common in that they're challenging our assumptions and imagination around the Christian faith. Thanks for being a part of season four. You can support this podcast. Check it out, rohattie.com, for details of how you can do that. You can find me on Twitter, at rohattie, and Instagram, rohattie.nagasar, which is the same on Facebook, usually on Twitter the most often. Get in touch. Let me know how this season has gone for you. And also connect in with all the authors on this episode with Lisa DeLay. You can find her mostly, I think, on Twitter. We'll show you in the show notes all the different places that you can connect and purchase her book. Lisa DeLay on Twitter, D-E-L-A-Y. We'll jump right into this podcast with... Lisa sharing some insight on her primary focus and her work and the influences to her book. We then transition to a conversation on deconstructing the Christian faith, what that looks like, the process of, and then when you get in it, how do you meander your way through? How do how did how should you know that you're in the midst of deconstruction and be okay in your body and your soul that in some ways you are rejecting old formation and old ways of doing things for something new for something liberative for something that fits your own skin so we spend maybe the first two thirds around the imagination and renewed imagination new wineskins is the metaphor you'll hear about midway through and then wrap up as I said connecting about her book. Without further ado, let's begin this last episode of season four and the bonus episode. You know, I don't write about things that you do tend, I don't tend to write about church things, um, but more in the in the vein of spiritual growth and formation, which of course should be a church thing. <laughs> but in terms of, um, I'm not a leader of a congregation or anything like that, but I think that if you don't have people interested in spiritual formation at the top, it's very shallow, those those relationships between people, obviously, and the vertical relationship with God and God in each other, too. As I'm reading this February, reading Robert Munson's uh, Subversive Stillness, and he begins you know, very beautifully talking about the Imago Dei in each one of us as the starting point for anti-racist work. To me, that is spiritual formation. That That is like, okay, that's that's jiving with me totally. That's exactly where we begin. We begin with who we are and we begin whole and being found in God. And then from there, we learn who Jesus is, you know, as we progress in intimacy with God then we start to see fruit of the spirit. And sometimes I notice the CEO quality of pastors too often. You know, Eugene Peterson talks about this too, is, is how do I get this bigger? How can we make this parking lot bigger? <laughs> more, more funds kind of come in. And, and, um, and not every church is going to be very big. It's not even, maybe it shouldn't even be, you know, that sort of thing. So yeah, my work is a lot more in the interior in the interior, but it, but uh, we are also connected. Like there's this between us connection too. I think that that works because I mean I don't reflect in any way a traditional or even a contemporary 
way of leading within the church. I only do that part time as well. I've been bivocational for yeah ever. I've never <laughs> pulled in full salary. I've right. rarely worked within um, traditional g- denominations. I've done so just by um, just pragmatically mm-hmm. uh, haven't fit in. or I've had to leave because Mm -hmm. of decisions. Like I don't have a lot of skin in the game when it comes to, but I grew up in it. I went to seminary Mm -hmm. many decades ago and and I wind up in a space where I'm an expert in that world, Mm. get it, and know its deficiencies very well. So right. If you're coming to the table with a sense of of reimagining formation, spiritual formation, I think that is a something that the contemporary church has has little experience in. Mm-hmm. Um, more mainline traditions, uh, mm-hmm. I think, probably have some some rooted experience there, but uh, it, it's shallow, like you said. It, it mm-hmm. totally lacks depth in a world that is screaming mm-hmm. for some type of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have this spiritual longing, and mm-hmm. that's what I enjoyed about your book. It, it, it's funny you would mention that because when as I was reading it, mm-hmm. one of the reflections I had was, "How does this encounter the spiritual but not religious crowd, which is a growing mm-hmm. minority and will quickly become a majority here in the next generation?" Yep, I, I think it it totally speaks. Yeah, yeah, like it it. it is a mechanism to start exploring a world where people will fill mm-hmm. their longings, those spiritual longings, yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. The part about uh, the lack of depth is also you, you talk about the longing and 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 not just longing, restless longing for God, but of course a restless longing for connection with each other, which is unless there's something really psychotic about a person, everybody mm-hmm. has that. Even even the introverts, mm-hmm. even though they'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, you mm-hmm. know, at the beginning of the pandemic, they're like, yeehaw, this is the best thing. This is what I want. Quarantine. And then like, oh, they came around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me <laughs> they two came weeks. around after a couple months. So like, yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> what, you know, they missed their <laughs> coffee shop moments. And because mm-hmm. we were mammals mm-hmm. that are social mammals and we are wired to need each other and connect with each other, even, maybe some less than others in in full force you know full blast ways but but that is our design we're designed to be connected and christianity is a community not a solitary thing but the, for the people who have given up on what i would call empire theology and christianity mm-hmm. i mean really rightfully so and they still long for connection. Maybe they don't want to be part of institutional church or they find faults and shortcomings with it. As, as I do I, I think those are fair criticisms. Um, but what's really hard to replace, especially in full-out atheism or even agnosticism, is that you have a hard time finding connection except for through things that you're against the the kind of connection that is generative is actually mm. kind of hard to find and people still you don't mm. see too many people like rejecting holidays outright just because they don't believe in a christian god you know you don't be like well i'm still not going to take a day off because you know i don't really believe in any of that nonsense it's like well then don't take a day off and don't connect with anybody and don't get together for the holidays or anything. well nobody wants to do that <laughs> because we all are longing and and really god will meet us god is not a christian and god will meet us where mm-hmm. we are i i want people to know that God is not a Christian. (laughs) Jesus is not a Christian. Mm. We don't have the monopoly on truth and our ideas about God aren't perfect. And we, we can't go around thinking that we have it all locked up. We can try for intimacy with God. We can um, sense God's presence and the fruit in our lives can, um, if we're like Christ, that's the fruit of God and the Spirit of God in our lives. But sometimes Christians, and I'm speaking as a Christian, will get arrogant and will think, well, you got to see it my way. And you got you to gotta come here and see it my way. Instead of my stance is much more of a, like a spiritual director. 
God is already in your life somehow in some manner. You might not want to call even call it God, but there's something going on and, and God is at work. And whatever spiritual being spiritual is to be alive. As long as you're still alive, you're still a spiritual person and you can meet a person there spiritually wherever they are. The church often tries to I say the church and I shouldn't I shouldn't say that. Uh, it's the mm. dominant church, or you use the word empire, I think. It's the empire mm-hmm. that right. needs mm-hmm. to have the answers. And in fact, the posture that you mm-hmm. are suggesting, a posture of invitation, one that is open to conversation and the ways that God can speak and reveal, that takes some mm-hmm. deconstruction to get to when you are in a place, or at least if you've been formed in some way with the culture of certainty, the empire needs to be in control. Yeah. And if it's not in control, then then it crumbles. And I can re- I remember, I don't mm-hmm. know if you encounter this maybe with clients, even in your own experience, that when those cracks start to emerge, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. go in the direction, as you noted, you find connection in destruction. We see a lot of that now. Mm. Or you can chase the beauty and and, and kind of I use this metaphor, the scales fall off from the eyes and you are revealed mm. to another layer of beauty you can never imagine in other people's experiences, mm-hmm. in other people's spirituality their formation. I wonder if multi-ethnic people are more mm. or just, you know, black, indigenous, people of color mm-hmm. folks are more open mm-hmm. to that experience because we've, well, we certainly have informed within, but we haven't come to the table with a level of certainty because it's not within our cultural mm. experience to have that empire power. Yeah, there's there's always some question about who has to conform to whom, who has to um, make the sacrifice, uh, which people have to make the sacrifice to assimilate, for instance. Um yeah, and I I wonder if you're right. The spiritual formation that comes from if you're if you're in two cultures, let's say, or two ethnicities and so forth, you're aware uh, really earlier on that there's a lot more going mm-hmm. on than this one stream mm. that we all should jump into. <laughs> mm. um, it's a great point. Uh, that's that's what's interesting about deconstruction too. Is um, like I. Think about the ex-evangelical um, mm-hmm. movement and and groups that that form, and I have a deep, deep sympathy for them, though never feeling like I could identify with them. Even though I had plenty of beefs, I think what happens is people will form communities around trauma mm. and pain and wound, mm. which is perfectly, completely understandable. And yet, when you're mm. mainly defined by these scars and these issues, it, it isn't really generative, and you don't have enough guidance from an outside perspective uh, or someone who's gone to the other side of that. And I also think we're deconstructing, if it's anything like me, we're deconstructing, reconstructing. All along the way, there's not really yeah. one major thing because yeah. I feel like God draws us out into faith and blows up the boxes occasionally, uh, just as a matter of course. But um, in, in terms of we should be deconstructing, that is actually part of growth. And when we feel the earth shaking beneath our feet, what we thought was we could count on, whether it maybe it's health or whether it's um, someone's place in the world as, oh, I thought this was theology. Well, actually, no, that's just that's just um, European male theology, white <laughs> white male theology. Mm-hmm. But congratulations, we should still all read that. That's great. <laughs> it's just one of all many. Like, but really? when you realize you're decentered all of a sudden, yeah, <laughs> when you realize you're decentered all of a sudden, instead of instead of becoming fearful, which I think is the typical thing, it could be like, wow, I've got a lot to learn. 
and being curious is not typically what's going to happen. We've been circling around community and the formation of community. And what I've been pulling and hearing is that, and, and we see it all the time, community being formed around mm-hmm. a commonality of destruction. I mean, QAnon, uh, you can pull out all the, the, mm, uh, totally. the political avenues, but community formed around trauma and loss. And this is juxtaposed mm-hmm. and to call back now to, to your open with, with Robert Monson's um, devotional. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It is a call for community that gives life unto a call unto mm-hmm. community that grants life or community that and this is now in your book that is in the pursuit of wholeness and whole health and beauty mm. these are the different mm-hmm. options i think i mean maybe it's too dualistic but i would really believe that the way of jesus is one that grants us this path towards wholeness not mm. destruction, not the trauma. You mm. want to be free from the loss, free from the trauma, free from those things that mm. seek to make you less whole. I guess now's mm. the trick. How do we how do we get there? That must be a space that we just all long mm. for. And man, if you can find it, if you can find it. Right. And you know, it's it's not an easy road if Jesus tells us anything by his life and his example is that he doesn't shy away from pain or those in pain he doesn't shy away from the outcast or the sick he doesn't shy away from getting you know whipped and beaten till he can't be recognized as a human being he goes straight to death to the grave to hell and goes right through the center of that to the other side to resurrection. And if that's, it's it's more than a metaphor. It's also a metaphor. <laughs> it's more than a metaphor too. But that that is actually, I think, what I'm trying to say in my book and some of these places about the fire bogs and, mm-hmm. and things in the book that I use metaphorically about different terrains of land is that we're invited to go through them when we will want to go around them, pretend they're not there, you know, mm-hmm. avoid the territory mm-hmm. because it hurts. Yep. It does hurt. Yeah. But Jesus, um, as as the model human being, uh, goes through it, and not not to uh, not to say, let's just look for places of pain and, and and hurt, and let's take all that on all the time. It's just that struggle and toil, uh, struggle and turmoil is going to come, and we need God's strength to, and the spirit to carry on through it. But Jesus doesn't turn tail. Jesus doesn't pretend, you know, sick mm, people and yeah. problematic people aren't there. Uh, it is a very honest and authentic way of interacting with people, interacting with his own pain, asking, hey, I don't like this. Can this happen another way? Um, mm-hmm. Being, being really human there. Yeah, just yes. it's not like yes. yay. Oh, good. A crucifixion's easy. coming. Yeah. Like I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's like this this is going to be horrible. Is there another way? Mm. And then okay, mm. I'm going to do it. I, I'm going to do it. And then just going straight through to the other side. And I think that that's that's the model for us. We we might not always be able to do that <laughs> or very well. But that I think I think that's the roadmap if if you will through that wilderness. Is that how do how do we do it? I have no idea, but I know that we can't pretend those things aren't there, or that we should avoid them. You know, they'll catch up with us. The, the painful things will be there, and and that also helps us to have empathy for those other people who are suffering around us, the people we're ministering to, and Jesus can have actual human empathy for us in a lived out experiential way as well. I was going to ask you a question in, in terms of ministry and what you were talking about wholeness and what has made a difference to f- move towards wholeness in your own life. In my own life. Right. And and also as it relates to, now we're to people you're coming alongside. 
<laughs> you can also cut this out later if you don't, don't want to go there. No, I mean, like I mentioned, and for those who don't know, that it's I'm I have been accredited and licensed as a minister in, in evangelical churches. I have given them up mm-hmm. um, at times over issues of uh, equality and inclusion and full inclusion. Uh, to the body, um, mm. and so I've operated outside of the box, and I have a lot more freedom than most ministers mm. uh, do. Mm. So at the same time, I don't know if what I do is missing the mark either. And so, I, although I do have people who <laughs> speak into me and and my function, um, maybe this is not something that is replicable in other contexts, but. Mm. There's a simplicity of life on life when it comes to formation and the pursuit of wholeness, at least in the context of community. And to be open of how uh, that community looks. Is it those who are just members or is it those who are only come to service? It's, it's really hard to, in a post-Christian world, and that's the context in Canada, it's really hard for mm-hmm. you to delineate lines of belonging. Mm. And... If you want to cast a wide net around belonging, then you're going to grant opportunities for all sorts of different people to experience some level of formation. And, and it doesn't come in the class. It doesn't come through the head exercises of the 12-week course or whatever it might be. It's just a sharing of life. Sounds simple, uh, but it's mm. something that we lack in intentionality and something that has become mm. exceptionally difficult within the context of this pandemic world. And so yeah. what I do now is just m- my best to hold space for lament, to hold space mm. to sit in loss. It's been Ash Wednesday, so we record this on Ash Wednesday. We'll date the podcast. Every day is Ash Wednesday, and it's been like that for mm-hmm. a year. And are we okay to linger in that space? And most of us aren't. Be- well, I shouldn't say that. In the contemporary traditions, which are white-dominated, so those white Catholic, white Protestant church traditions, are not connected into the longings associated with deep lamentation, because mm. there's nothing to lament about. Yeah. And that's what privilege buys you, I think. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. we're just in a space of trying to figure out what it means to not try to solve this problem that's been sitting with us for so long, but to just sit in the mire, in the clay, mm. and wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, for myself, formation and the pursuit of wholeness, um, going through real deep, uh, you have good metaphors in, in the loss, the fire bogs, and we'll come back to those mm. chapters, but... Yeah, in some spaces, you need professional help. And I think, as I say, uh, every grown adult should have uh, should go to therapy. I don't know how often you need to go, mm-hmm. but you all, all should go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so therapy helped me um, in the pursuit of wholeness. And, and there's just an ongoing, just like the, that learning of trying to figure out all the time, deconstruction, that path. It's an ongoing learning and unlearning of the self, of trying to be exposed mm. for the things that you have, I don't want to say fallen short necessarily, but things that you haven't lived out the fullness of your humanity, and in what manner can you glimpse just one step better or deeper? And then that's the broken road mm. that I'm on, mm. at least. The, the thing, too, let's say we're doing something where we're meeting people um, in, in a kind of community setting with around the table, so on. And after a, there's a certain point where it stops being polite, where you, you start to notice people's idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, oh, this person, I notice this person complains a lot, or I notice this person's pretty impatient with so-and-so. Or whatever it is, everybody has their stuff. Everybody has their stuff they're not great at. And these things you start to pick up on after you spend a little time. After you actually do the work, you you connect, right? Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that 
in in my head and other people's heads, they're like, oh man, is this worth it? People are mm. kind of a pain in the ass. No. <laughs> and they're kind of messy, right? Mm. They're this could be hard. And mm-hmm. it's that stage there mm. that we get very comfortable in this day and age when we can live on screens and just, well, I'll just text you something instead of getting together and realizing that you're actually kind of a pest or the other way around. You're going to realize that I'm a pest or something, you know, and what realizing that when you get together and you are a community and you're, you're developing deeper friendships as brothers and sisters um, in Christ or as brothers and sisters as a human family, that when that messy part comes, that's not a problem. That's, that's life. That's regular life. And that that's the that's the grace piece that we sometimes are like, ah, I don't, mm. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm up for this. Um, and that's yeah. that's the part that you have to stick with it, stick with it all the way through, to have longer, um, longer friendships, longer. And I'm not talking about this intimate circle of your absolute like got your back people, but I'm talking about the group of people that you've said you've committed to in community and you said, we're going to do life together. We're going to be a community together. And then when people become Hmm. comfortable enough to be themselves and all the warts come out Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because they're letting their guard down like they should be, then you have to push past, oh yeah, (laughs) reality. (laughs) Everybody stop being polite. That's hard culturally. That's hard in church context, harder and perhaps hardest in church context, because I think, um, not I think, the church is racialized. And so we're calling on people, mm. and, and I totally concur with what you're saying. Getting there is the problem, because what you're asking yeah. from people is come back and risk yourself again. And it's risky Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable in spaces that you don't know are safe. We'll we'll get there, maybe. I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I would venture to guess that most people haven't had... Now, I can't say most people. Think of your own, for the listeners, experience with church community, community and whether or not it was actually safe space for you to live out your whole being. Because people of color in in uh, non-ethnic spaces, they're not safe places. And so are you really going to come right, along for right. the ride to reveal yourself into a space mm-hmm. that simply does not and will not empathize with your being? The other flip side to that is is capacity. And like I I in my broken way do the best I can. And in the pandemic mm-hmm. time and so forth, and this call for racialized justice, you feel all this in your body. How much capacity do I have to mm. actually t- right. tolerate, in many ways, uh, that mess right. in community? I don't know. And, and it should be okay mm-hmm. for me to know what that amount of yeah. community I can yeah. handle and come in and come out of and come in, come out of, but... Yeah, that's part of the right. pursuit of wholeness, though. Because if I'm whole and healthy, yeah. maybe I can linger longer in the mess of community. I don't know. Right, I'm thinking right. out loud here. Fill yeah. in the blanks and give yeah, me the exactly. answers. <laughs> I like answers. Well, you know, that's part of the mess. It's part of the mess um, is that when we have these, and I, I think this is where I'm a contemplative, I'm a contemplative mm. spiritual person where I you know, you, you fill the well, you don't go to the well when you're, uh, when you need a drink, you fill the well and then, and then you're ready to Mm. be with other people. Mm -hmm. And then also, yeah, you take your breaks because it's, it's the same. Again, I'm just going back to Jesus. He, he was a a guy who was with people a lot and then he would purposefully be like, yeah, we're done. (laughs) He wouldn't heal every sick person. He would leave. Mm -hmm. Um, that seemed really weird when I thought about it for the first time. Oh my gosh, he hmm. left some people mm-hmm. still sick. Yeah. What, what in the yeah, world? Yeah. Is this a God man or not? What is happening? Well, uh, he's tired. <laughs> he's tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, the boundaries so you don't burn out, wear out, and you're no good for yourself. And then, of course, you're no good for anybody else. Um, and you're right with with um, spaces where there isn't leadership that looks like if leadership looks just one way, people who look different are not going to feel automatically comfortable because why should they? People are probably not going to understand where they're coming from. And when a, a church has made a commitment to diversify leadership, and I'm talking male, female, different ethnicities, um, I don't think that you can in good faith accept that you can be truly understood and welcomed because they are just, you're supposed to just take their word for it, even though they can't really understand who you are and where you've been and what you've experienced. And they can be as welcoming as all get out, but in the end, they will probably expect you to assimilate and yes. get over whatever that is, right? Absolutely. And, well, you know, Absolutely. if you get rid of your accent, <laughs> you won't have oh, as much man. problems. Really? If you, you know, <laughs> if you, right, you know, I it's mean, it's more like really talking assimilation, <laughs> right? It's it's stuff like it's understandable that you would feel not not totally safe, and and in that case, the church, if if that's your case in in a church setting, maybe those are not going to be your actual got your back people. Uh, and there'll have to be some of those periphery people until you can find, you know, someone who is, you know, hermano, your your brother, your your sister, your family in in a setting. Yeah. I think that that's that's kind of what we're shooting for with with church to be feel like family. But how can it feel like family if you don't recognize your, yourself there? I wonder if we need to put point paint a picture of what is next rather than calling back for the church. And every time we use that word, I mean, I at mm -hmm. least picture, and usually what people mean is, is what the dominant church is, a white Protestant or white mm -hmm. Catholic, or the U.S. we have more of a white evangelical uh, um, mm -hmm. church at the helm. And maybe I don't care what the church has to say or does. Maybe we're creating mm -hmm. our own things. Now that's easier mm -hmm. said than done, but what's right. the pathway to create our own things that maybe skip the beat of having to assimilate and instead mm -hmm. we're on this pathway towards wholeness in, in spirit, body, soul. We need the permission to do that. Uh, I know it's harder, and I would kind of put it out there all yeah. the time, but we need the permission. And we, yeah. as in minority people, um, marginalized mm -hmm. people, um, we need permission to say, go do your own things, and the small things count. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This um, A friend of mine, Rosario, um, is a co-pastor at a dinner church in Chicago. I looked it up, and there's there's like dinner church you know, organizations that you can be a part of and you can, and they have a something available for during COVID because you can't do dinner together, but you can kind of do something together. And, and there's some, it's not oversight, but it's, it's like ideas of how to make it work, make this kind of situation work. And being a pastor's kid and part of a home church, I have some of my own, some of my own ideas about just starting up mm. something because yeah. why not people are people <laughs> people are people and what <laughs> can tend to happen is a reflection <laughs> of the culture and mm. cult tendencies sometimes and no transparency and charisma and and so yes start our own things but also <laughs> share leadership you know mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. should get say so you know it, it's it there's there's things that we can't keep making the same mistakes about um repeating the same injustices and the same sins you know which um, we can do we can embody those things we can embody the brokenness of white supremacy and and repeat right. it so there's an unlearning for mm -hmm. marginalized people as well but we will do yeah. so in the new attempt, imperfectly. They got to be okay with the imperfection. Mm -hmm. So go try it. 
and it's it's worth it's worth it to connect with people and not I should say it's worth it to connect with people in spiritual terms because you are spiritual and they are spiritual and don't think that you should something should stop you from doing that that is god's work and if someone's going to say to you well you don't you know you didn't go to our favorite seminary or you didn't do x y and z or you're a woman or you're you know part of this marginalized group that's trying to maintain status quo and dominance i think you need in, to in find opinion. a new place <laughs> like right. immediately <laughs> right because that that vie for control sometimes supersedes all the rest of the other christian parts and and you wind up in a situation where it, it's not very christian at all it's not very jesus like at all Sometimes. A lot of the times, marginalized people put on their own bodies that they need to be the ones to assimilate or come alongside and, and fit in or, yeah. or assuage mm -hmm. the concerns of whoever the dominant culture is. But, you know, mm -hmm. forget it. Got to have a low tolerance for what is clearly a pile of, of BS when it comes to church community. Mm -hmm. If you can smell that from a mile away, then have a low tolerance for participating in an unhealthy community because we we got enough to deal with here. We're going to spend our time trying to hash our way and change. And this is to a lot of POCs who are in white churches and are trying to change them. It's like, no, nah, you haven't heard from all the generations behind you. This is not going to work. Mm. Now, that's a mm. little cynical for me, but... <laughs> Maybe a little. But... I, I don't think it will work, and y'all need to protect right. your your bodies from destruction. Well, yeah, there's there's a little bit of um, what's what's still very prominent in that kind of missionary um, sense ability. Like, uh, there's us, and then we're going to try to make you like us to be like us, and um, and even without it's baked in. So you, they, I don't know if people can even help it. But there's mm -hmm. a sense of um, you got to leave your culture at the door because that's not really Christian. It's like, well, it's that's, not what you do, crazy. but it doesn't mean it's not Christian. Like that's crazy. <laughs> it might not be familiar, but it doesn't mean that it's not Christian. It means that it's you're not familiar with it. Christian. That makes a, that reminds me of a callback, and that's my own formation of learning too of what happens when someone who is different from the dominant culture, let's say randomly a immigrant black family from Nigeria shows up in a, in a, a, a Swedish Mennonite church or whatever. I'm just painting pictures here of, of extremes. They're all with me. Like what, what happens? So is this family supposed to assimilate? And is that what Christ-centered church would command us to do. And I think we have mm -hmm. an example uh, in indigenous spirituality that would call us, mm -hmm. and, and the early church, that would call us to lay down ourselves and come up with a shared new way. Mm, very good. Together we are going to yeah. figure out what it means for us to not merely live apart and respect each other in our traditions, but to come together and create a new thing in our own voices mm -hmm. and in our own identities come together. I, that, that to me is the incarnational presence of God, of Jesus in place, mm -hmm. when you can embody mm -hmm. something like that. Imagine a church right. do that. Have you seen that happen? Rarely. That's rare. That's rare. Um, yeah. and we need a generation of leaders who, who could lead through that as well. But, um, yeah, that's a call back to some of the learning I'm doing from our, uh, indigenous teachers around, uh, around me. Yeah. And that strikes yeah. me as deeper. Right. And I, I think it's possible that it's kind of a, a new wineskins mm. scenario mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's, you can't do it. You can't do it with what's there. You have to make something fully new. New wineskins for new wine. And and with that, I mean, don't expect a church that was created 100 years ago or 150 or 200 years ago to adjust. 
uh, its old wineskins. Mm-hmm. And for a church to be, uh, for a church to fully love and affirm people of all colors, of all kinds, you probably have to create that now with the kind of leadership that represents that right away from the beginning, period. <laughs> and like nobody gets left out in the leadership part. Yeah. Because otherwise you're you're trying to remake something that is not built for that and it will keep pushing against it, yeah. pushing against yeah. it. And whenever you whatever you build now will be stuck in in the time it was made and literally it'll it'll look archaic too. But that's what I think we might be in a time of great flux. We certainly are. I mean, that that's obvious we are. That but that we should maybe not think of, well, I should I should stay here and work from within. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. kind of been some of my thoughts. I should I should stay here because mm-hmm. like, there's work to do. I could change people's minds. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just the old wineskins mm-hmm. and you put new wine in it and they burst. So mm-hmm. um, new models, new ways, new leadership new leadership models that are um, egalitarian and and team-based and not hierarchy-based. Transparency, accountability across the board where where everybody's um, held to account. I mean, how many pastors have secret sins that they're allowed to keep secret until (laughs) it blows up in their face? Uh, We've seen a few of those recently. Mm And why is that model allowed to perpetuate? So if you want to stay and do the work to try to change from within, that's still good work. Mm -hmm. That's good work. It's way harder and takes way Mm. more of your body, heart, and soul to be spit Mm -hmm. up and chewed out or chewed up and spit out, right? But it's it's still, Mm -hmm. man, if if that's your call, then Mm -hmm. I pray for you. I pray for you. But the the reason why is because I don't think the institution is designed to do anything but self-preserve. Uh, it's not designed mm, to, to innovate. Institutions are right. designed to keep things the same. And so these right. ideas of, okay, the new leadership, we need that from the start. Do we need... I don't know if that comes from within institutional boundaries. It would have to be at arm's length. It would have to be something new. Mm-hmm. But you're totally right. I concur. You would have to start from the very onset with new identity, with new sets of leadership, and, and make an attempt. May not work. Make the right. attempt, though. Will that come from inside? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I see very few examples mm-hmm. of it. I agree with that too. It's, I think that just like the gospel comes from the margins, mm-hmm. so will the new wine. Mm-hmm. The new wine will come yes. from the margins, yes. and that's that's how it works. I think. Um, and what's what would be helpful if if the, and I think that this is where the remnant idea comes in is that there are people whose hearts are soft in dominant culture, whose hearts are soft, who can learn, who who are wise who are wise elders, and they can adjust. There are lots of people who are not going to, they'll be kicking and screaming about it, but then there are going to be a few people who, a a certain amount of people who are going to go, yeah, you're right. This is, no more of this, no more of this. We got to, we're going to make the adjustments that are, that put things to rights. Yeah. To turn the wrongs right. I think that's certainly a shared process and and we all white people included need liberation we all need liberation i i mean white churches can do that work i mean bless you uh, i'm kind of too busy doing things over here outside of all that to you know and i think a lot of people are realizing that you live out your gifts and your abilities and it doesn't need the approval of the center yeah that's a good point that's a good point i how do you find the support that you need without um, that main? What I guess what I'm noticing is what you're saying is I think people don't internalize that. Minoritized people don't necessarily internalize that you can do the things you want without the assistance or the recognition of the center, or so forth. Depends. Yeah, money would help. Um, <laughs> it depends. 
where your formation right. is. Like sometimes you just got to burn your hand on the stove once and then you realize, nah, not again. Um, yeah, that that's... I would like to say and believe that in the slow process of education and in evidence by the renewed calls towards justice, that there is a shift in every generation. Now, we can read mm-hmm. Reverend Dr. King and his writings 60 years after the fact and realize nothing's changed. But on the other hand, we can see an emerging generation of new leaders, new people, new new uh, ideas. For example, uh, here's a question for you. In what manner has social media changed how we approach spirituality? And I know for one mm. thing, the way and the voices of the new wave of spiritual formation people, theologians even, the social uh-huh. media theologians, they are new voices yeah. that we had never heard before, and they are minority right. voices finding their voice and coming up with new ways, seeing right. way more of that. Um, but yeah. I'm seeing too, that too, the, the democratizing mm. of uh, more people, there's more access, there's, le- there's less um, gatekeepers to worry about with yeah. the advent of social media of course you're stuck with the algorithms mm. as they are and it mm-hmm. kind of blocks mm-hmm. off you know um to a degree but you're right i've learned i have tried over the last five years or so or, or more but to really be extremely good about listening to all types people from all over the world all different colors and persuasions and uh, because of the algorithms, actually, it can be such a, a echo chamber. Yeah. But also because how else do you get something outside of dominant culture? The algorithms already favor that anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to really push outside that really hard. Yeah, yeah. And yet, And yet it's possible. So like you're saying, social media did kind of throw a wrench into you know, typical things. Um, when people can have podcasts like, like you and I, we can just do, do them. And no one said, no, mm -mm." he said, Oh, guess what? I'm just going to do them. Um, and you know that people all over the world listen in and no one's telling you, you can't, or you're not this or that enough, you know? Um, like in, in, where I went to seminary, they, that's the seminary that they train the pastors of my church. Well, they don't have female pastors in my mm. denomination. Mm. Well, I'm speaking to more people a week than my pastor does. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to do the next thing that I think God wants me to do. Um, yes, amen. And no, I'm not ordained and I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to write my books and try to do my podcasts and have authors on and have great conversations with great people. And maybe someone will benefit from that. I just feel God's joy in it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Someone said that ordination's of the devil anyways, so you're not missing anything. (laughs) I'm not missing anything. (laughs) The wild land within... I don't know if there's a shift or it's just I'm reading friends who I get, but uh, (laughs) there were times in your book where I had to pause. So the first half I was venturing through and it's like, okay, yeah, sure. And then what stopped me in my tracks, and we talked about this at the onset, was how well as a culture we deal with our fears and our uh-huh. trauma yep. and our loss. In chapter seven and eight, predators and prey befriending our fears. And then your metaphor, I love the metaphor, the fire bogs yeah. trucking through trauma and loss. Mm-hmm. Both of those, I, I had to stop and and just yeah. reflect back and think, yeah. okay, now do I need to go back to therapy here? Probably. <laughs> but there were aspects in right. there where I looked back in new ways to say, well, wait a minute, in what manner mm-hmm. is fear preventing me from wholeness and liberation? Well, I wanted to get a good foundation first for people um, to understand the hidden influencers, especially 
um, to understand, you know, in a way to understand the book, uh, to first explain it to somebody who has no idea what we're talking about, I'm a little bit expanding on the four soils parable that Jesus talks about. Not so mm-hmm. much expanding as it's just like exploding the metaphor. Mm-hmm. So Jesus talks about four different soils, and um, and I'm saying, okay, there's there's these different soils that represent the interior world, the interior life. And when we say that, we're talking about the heart and the mind and memories and trauma, but also joys and ambitions and desires and just everything that you can't see that's you and that's mm. and and between you and other people. That's everything, really. Um, everything that means something is often invisible uh, for us. And expanding that into thinking, what if this is terrain? What if this is a a whole world, an ecosystem. And that world has mm. climate. That means that climate was determined a lot of times not by you. Uh, about your, It was a ter- determined by your influences. It was determined by your ethnicity, perhaps. It was determined by mm-hmm, your mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. where you live and your, your teachers and all that. Yeah. And I wanted Exactly, exactly. And, and it could be determined by some of your traumas and um, it will be determined by that and your experiences and you know, how how things went for you in your life, but also how they went for your grandparents and your great-grandparents. All that plays in. Mm-hmm. And we don't necessarily mm-hmm. get that, that we're, we are not yeah. just us. We are the products of our ancestors. Yes, um, yes, and yes, yes. So we also have these weather systems I wanted to talk about, you know, places in the world, if we want to think of it ourselves as a metaphor, we have... Um, what became the seven deadly sins, um, Invagrius, the desert hermit, talked about as afflicting thoughts and to not attach to them. Now, we're starting to talk about this in psychology right now. It's like the the hot thing of the last five or 10 years. But Invagrius was getting mm-hmm. this in the 300s. So <laughs> he was saying, you're not your thoughts. He was saying, it, they, they uh, are mm-hmm. stuff that, that comes in and comes out. Some people called them demons. But it was to say that they're not you have them, but they're not you. You can join up with them. You can, um, you can kind of team up and and dupe yourself, you know, with gluttony or lust. But mm-hmm. they're not what you should be ashamed of. That you're some sort of horrible person. You can prevent sin by doing specific things. And he would talk about spiritual practices and accountability and all this really really stuff that makes a lot of sense. And he also said, you know, also if you're having something like um, avarice, just wait. If, if you just wait, it'll go away. <laughs> you know, stuff like, oh, you mean mm-hmm. I'm not this kind of a person? Well, you might experience this a lot in your climate, in your weather system, maybe for specific reasons, mm-hmm. but it's possible that it doesn't own you, you know. It, it you there's another there's other ways possible, and I love the spiritual formation aspect of that. It gets me so excited because I think we're not trapped uh, as these certain kinds of people. Progress, improvement are possible. Mm-hmm. Christ likeness mm-hmm. is possible. Mm-hmm. But here's what happens: is that as we become more aware of ourselves in all these different ways about what affects us, eventually we hit a wall that is a fearful wall. And that might be because something Mm -hmm. gets triggered that we recognize as something familiar that was painful. Or we think, Mm -hmm. well, you know, what if I start digging around inside and I find something I don't like or something that I remember uh, is upsetting? And fear stops growth and Mm it disconnects Mm -hmm. us from other people. Mm -hmm. And in this way, we can't... We can't expect to grow uh, closer to anyone, even ourselves, if we don't really address the issue of fear. And I wrote it because I'm a fearful person, and I'm trying to understand it for myself, trying to understand what stops me, what hinders me, what gets me in fight or flight. And when you have anxiety or depression uh, because of trauma, you... Fear is ever-present in in one form or another, whether it's just kind of making up for things you're insecure about or um, worried about making a fool of yourself. Little fears and big ones, um, they really play into 
how our lives move forward and what we can do, you know, how much is going to stop us. And so really the reason why they're back to back, um, predators and prey, I, I talk about, um, I, I say there's, there's different creatures in this landscape within, and I pull out the fox and the rabbit. One is vulnerable, this vulnerable side of us, and one is sort of predatory and will attack. You know, it's just these metaphors, but we all have these sort of shadowed places of shadow that we don't understand about ourselves or that we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. We might be afraid of hurting somebody. We might want to hurt somebody, or we might be afraid of being hurt. And these are aspects of our humanity. They're, they're things we have to befriend, uh, not uh, triumph over, not kill off or subdue, and also not let them go crazy so we have like an infestation. <laughs> you know? um, so I wanted to address those things head on. But when I, when I got to the part about firebugs, I wanted to also address that there are su- there's some suffering and pain that never goes away. Mm, and yeah. I think that there's a lot of um, bad theology out there that will tell you Jesus is the pill that will make your problems go away. Um, and that's just not true. Uh, I think that you can be traumatized or you can have um, a particular life situation that will always hurt. And how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with those types of, of sufferings and grief that seem to go on forever and ever? And I wanted to be real with people and and not give them this like, here's a sunshiny picture of life. It's just like, well, if if your people's lives are anything like mine, sometimes there's there's these wounded places that that still hurt. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it there's yeah. some parts of the book, if people are afraid to read, they can skip them. <laughs> but I wanted to, no. if you're ready for a deeper dive, the, this is all part of your inner world. And Whenever you're ready, God is waiting to meet you in these places, in these really difficult places, and and these really beautiful yeah. places, and they can be, you know, transformed into um, not yeah. uh, domesticated places, never domesticated places, but beautiful places. Mm-hmm. See, and this is the this is the interesting thing is that, you know, do you write a? I said to myself, do I write a book that people might need to get therapy <laughs> when they read it because it'll stir stuff up. But I, but I thought, oh gosh, if more people got therapy, wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be awesome? Isn't that the path to wholeness? <laughs> and it is. Isn't that what should happen? Yeah. Because it's like, should everybody go to the, the gym if they're not already exercising? Like it's, it just seems like, how about we can all be healthier? And it's not, mm-hmm. it's not, you know, the fear is on this side. The fear isn't on the other side. After you handle it. And it's just the anticipation of what could be there. When you open the door and you think there's a monster on the other side, you open it, it's just this little thing. You know, it's just this little, little yeah, thing. You're yeah. like, oh, that was making all that racket. <laughs> mm. um, and so I want us to be I well. I want us to be whole. We're often worried about how many monsters will be behind the first monster. <laughs> yeah, right. And we get stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of the monsters are, are like clones. You know, they're like kind of, um, mm. they're related. You know, they, mm-hmm. you know, one of them and you're like, that one looks so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like this one I, I dealt with. That's a good, um, I like that. And I, th- I like that. Did you, um, do you remember the parts where I was talking about the three core wounds? In the be- it was more in the beginning. The naming. Yeah. Well, there was there's safety and security, esteem and affection, and power and control. And the idea is that we all have these three wounds at different, mm, yeah, yeah, in different yeah. ways. Some people have enormous, um, for instance, esteem and affection. Is you're really hoping, and we all are doing this. It's kind of like, I hope people think I'm smart. I hope. People think I'm funny or good looking or, you know, you're, you're hoping for the esteem or the affection and the acceptance. 
And there might be a wound there. And there really is for everybody unless you've never been an adolescent or something like that. Um, But for some people, this is really rules like a lot of their decisions in their life. And it Mm -hmm. just comes back. It comes up and it comes up and it comes up. And for other people, it's it's safety and security. It's much more primal and it's much more um, I'm not okay in my own body and I'm really you know, seriously disconcerted a lot. Um, and that governs things. And then there's power and control, which is kind of every, everybody has this to some degree where we're micromanaging and we're trying to control what we can't control. And, um, and then some people are, you know, pretty, become pretty horrible people because they're trying to con- manipulate and control other people. And, you know, you get, yeah. you get your wild dictators and so forth because, things have gone so off the rails. But noticing what is actually happening when when we're re- reacting and responding in, in poor ways, we're noticing, I, I can tell that's coming from this core wound or this core wound or this core wound. Yeah. Is a surprising little, it's like a hack. You're like, oh, wow. You know, I'm kind of really hoping that I seem smart right now. Is that really... What I'm hoping, like, I, I guess I could let that go. <laughs> you know, that's coming from that wound. But God wants to heal yeah. that wound and get me out of that cavern. I don't, mm. it's, it's not, you know, and just understanding that we are often operating out of these wounds, out of these certain terrains from within that don't get much light. They're covered in shadow and, you know, it doesn't, yes. there's a lot of mold growing yes, there. Yes. <laughs> Um, yes. that it can be exposed to the light and God can, can bring us healing. But that, that involves saying, you know, you're praying and you're asking, cause just show me, just show me where these wounds are. And I would like to not be governed by these wounds anymore. That wraps up our bonus episode for season four, the faith in the fresh vibe podcast. Thank you to my guest, Lisa delay. You can pre-order her book depending on when you listen to this podcast. When it comes out, then you can pre-order as it comes out mid-April, wherever fine books are sold, but the best place is your local book provider. It's hard to dive into some of the deep questions that we lingered with, especially at the end of this podcast. It's one of those subjects around fear, around loneliness, around being enough. Those were the three episodes, one with Jonathan Puddle and Charlotte Donlin and Lisa DeLay now. Each of them are worth picking up. You can find ebooks, audiobooks, and the hard copies, of course. Enter into the exploration of reimagining your faith. There's something that fits your skin, and it's okay to have both an imagination of what that looks like, but to pursue the change required to be okay in your own skin. If you're feeling weird about your Christian faith in the context of your community, then you're probably right. So hang on to that feeling and champion yourself to go explore and find something better. That also means if you're meandering without community in your midst, I encourage you to try to find that in this pandemic world. A lot of that is happening online. I don't know if online is better than in person. I don't think it is, but we also can't call online connection points not community. It's just a new way of doing community. With that, I leave you. Be blessed wherever you are at. I'm coming at you from Treaty 7 lands in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, from my place and space to yours. This is Faith in the Fresh Vibe podcast. Till next. Yeah.